0: How do you know that Jesus was actually God in the flesh? Were there some things that He did that gave us clues that He indeed was God in the flesh while He was here on this earth? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons, and welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at the Christian faith and the doctrines of the Christian faith in a systematic way. And we've been going through in the 200 series person of Jesus. Who exactly was Jesus of Nazareth? In the 100 series, we saw the doctrine of God, and now we're looking into the person of Christ. The first three podcasts, we looked at the humanity of Jesus, and he had, of course, two natures, the divine nature and the human nature. And then in podcasts starting 204 and 205, 206, we'll look at the at the deity of Christ. Exactly how do we know that Jesus was God in the flesh? Now, as we saw in our last uh, podcast, there are several groups around us that, that teach that Jesus was not God in the flesh. They teach that He was the Son of God, but He was not God Himself in the flesh. Those groups such as the Jehovah Witnesses, uh, the Mormons, the uh, the Oneness Pentecostalism, Scientology, the Christadelphians, Unity Church—they all believe that that Jesus was human, but he was not God. He was not deity in the flesh. But the Bible teaches that he was. And and in our last podcast, we looked at some of the things that Jesus said proving in the New Testament that He was God in the flesh while He was here. And of course, those are the words such as the word God and the word Lord and how He used those words and some other strong claims, the Son of Man, Son of God that He used that did prove his, his deity. But I want us to look in this podcast where there are some things that Jesus did, that He, that he actually did that gave us clues That yes, indeed, he was the eternal Son of God incarnated or in the flesh. So let's look at some of these. First of all, Jesus demonstrated characteristics and attributes of God as he acted. Uh, One of these is omnipotence. Now, omnipotence is all meaning all powerful. We looked in the earlier podcast that. God is all-powerful. He possesses those attributes. But Jesus in the flesh also demonstrated omnipotence on several occasions. He still the storm at sea with, with only a word in Matthew chapter 8. He multiplied the loaves and fishes in Matthew 14. These are, these are demonstrations of, of omnipotence that humans can't do. Only, only God can do. Jesus changed the water into wine in John chapter 2. Now, some people might object that these miracles just showed the power of the Holy Spirit working through Him, just as the Holy Spirit could work through any human being, and therefore these do not demonstrate the deity of Jesus. Some might say that. But the context, the the explanations in the context of these events, they often point not to what they demonstrate about the power of the holy spirit but what they demonstrated about jesus specifically for instance after jesus turned the water into wine john tells us quote this is the first of the miraculous signs jesus did at cana in galilee and quote magnified his glory and his disciples believed in him john 2:11 It was not the glory of the Holy Spirit that was manifested, but the glory of Jesus himself as his divine power worked uh, to change the water into wine. In a similar way, after Jesus stilled the storm on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples did, did not say, Oh, how great the power of the Holy Spirit working in this man. No, they said, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? In Matthew 8, 27, it was the authority of Jesus to which the winds and the waves were subject. And this could only be the authority of God who rules over the seas and has the power to still the waves, as Psalm 65, Psalm 89, and Psalm 107 tell us. So Jesus asserts his uh, omnipotence in, in what he did. But he also asserts his eternity whenever he said before Abraham was, I am in John 8, 58. Revelation 22:13, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. So the words of Jesus after the omnipotence assert his eternity and only God is eternal. Now, he can make us eternal whenever we trust in him and he imparts that to us. But, but within himself, only Jesus, only the Father and the Holy Spirit are, are eternal. But here's a second demonstration of Jesus, some things that he did that prove his deity. Uh, the omniscience of, Jim, uh, of Jesus demonstrated in his knowing people's thoughts. Now, omniscience is all-knowing. So there were occasions that tell us Jesus was omniscient. Only God is omniscient. Only Jesus was omniscient. That proves deity within himself. He, he knew people's thoughts, Mark 2, 8. Um, he saw Nathanael under the fig tree from far away in John 1, uh, John six sixty four 64 says, Knowing from the beginning who those who were done, who done knowing, who those were did not believe in the beginning, and who it was who would betray him. So even even in the the thoughts and the knowledge, Jesus demonstrated his deity. Of course, the revelation of of individual specific events or facts, something that God could give to anybody, that's true, who had the gift of prophecy in either the Old Testament or the New Testament, but Jesus' knowledge was much more extensive than that of a prophet in the old or new testaments jesus knew who were uh, who those were who did not believe thus implying he knew the belief or the unbelief that was in the heart of a person he knew it instantly prophets didn't know that but jesus knew that in fact john explicitly says that jesus quote needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in the heart of man. John 2, 25. The disciples could later say to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. John 16.30, they said, Lord, you know all things. So these statements are much more than just any great prophet. In the Old Testament or New Testament, they imply omniscience that only God has an, as, as an attribute And Jesus possessed as well. Another proof omnipotence and omniscience, both proofs of Jesus' deity. You might remember one other note here after the resurrection, when Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, Peter answered and said, Lord, you you know all things. You know I love you. And and so Peter was saying much more than Jesus knew his heart and loves him. He's rather making a, a, a general statement you know everything. And from it, he's drawing a specific conclusion. You know that I love you. So Peter was confident Jesus knew what was in the heart of every person, and he was sure that Jesus knew his own heart. Well, let's go to another action of Jesus. What about his, his omnipresence? Of course, omni meaning all in presence. That, that's a characteristic of God. Humans are not omnipresent. God's omnipresent. Humans are not even the devil's not omnipresent. But Jesus was omnipresent. And that was affirmed to be true of Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. While looking forward to the time that the church would be established, Jesus said, Matthew eighteen twenty, "...where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them." How is Jesus in every single place where two or three people were gathered in his name? Because he's omnipresent. And you might remember in Matthew 28, 20, before he left the earth, Jesus told his disciples, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is wherever believers are gathered. He is omnipresence, only an attribute of the divine. But not only that, Jesus possessed sovereignty, which is a characteristic and attribute of God alone. A kind of authority possessed only by God. And he proved his sovereignty several ways. One was forgiving sins in Matthew, or rather Mark 2, verses 5 through 7. Only God can forgive sins. Now, unlike the Old Testament prophets who declared, thus says the Lord. Jesus could preface his statements with the phrase, but I say to you. So, whenever Jesus, anytime he made the statement, I say to you, he is claiming divine authority, that he is, in fact, God. He had, he had all things delivered into his hands by the Father, the Bible tells us. The authority to the, reveal the Father to whomever he chooses. That's in Matthew eleven twenty five 25 to 27. So so his authority was such that the future eternal state of everybody in the universe depended upon what they believed about him. Folks, that is proof of deity in the person of Jesus. But let's go further. He also possessed immortality. Only, Only God is immortal. Humans aren't. That's the inability to die. Now, we see that he did die. We see that this indicated near the beginning of John's gospel when Jesus said to the Jews, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Who can raise the dead except God? Yet Jesus did it. John explains he was not talking about the temple made with stones in Jerusalem. But he was speaking about, John tells us in 2, 21, he was talking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he'd said, and they believed the scriptures and the word Jesus had spoken. Now, we must insist, of course, that Jesus really did die. That's that's true. This passage speaks to the time whenever he'd be raised from the dead, But it also signifies that Jesus predicts He will have an active role in His own resurrection. Who can do that? (laughs) Unless that person is God. Jesus said, I will raise it up. And although other passages tell us God the Father was active in raising Christ from the dead, He says that He Himself will be active in His own resurrection but let's go one step further. This is one that I believe points again to the deity of Christ. It was very clear that Jesus accepted worship. Now, no human being would ever do that. I, I would never accept worship as God. I mean, at far chance that would happen. But let's say someone came up to me, oh, oh Greg, I, I, think you're, I think you're God in the flesh, and they begin to worship me. I would, I would say, no I'm, no, I'm not. Worship God only. I'm not God. But yet when, when, when people approached Jesus and worshiped him as God, he accepted their worship. Another clear proof to the deity of Christ and that he knew he was God in the flesh. No other being in all of creation accepts worship. Unless you know your God. The Bible says of Christ, clearly God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You might remember whenever Thomas approached Jesus, John 20, and, and after the resurrection, And he says, my Lord and my God, the strongest, the strongest statement in all the gospels that Jesus is God. My Lord and my God looking right at Jesus and Jesus did not say, oh, wait wait a minute, Thomas, wait, whoa, you've got this all wrong. I'm, I'm not God. He didn't say that. He said, Thomas, blessed you are. You've seen, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe he accepted the worship of Thomas and in heaven right now, he's accepting the worship of everyone. Revelation 5:12. worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is he. And then John says, every creature in heaven on, on, and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, all that's in them, praises to Jesus who sits on the throne and the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That's Revelation 5, 12, and 13. So Jesus is called the Lamb who was slain, but yet we worship Him as God. So folks, not only in what Jesus said did He prove His deity, that He was God, but even in the things that He did, it proved that Jesus was himself God in the flesh. Now, before we close this podcast, there's one other aspect I want to discuss with you, and and that is concerning the person of Christ. And that is a theory known as the kenosis theory. It's K-E-N-O-S-I-S the kenosis theory, it's also called kenotic theology, or sometimes it's just called kenosism and you will see it taught in circles today, but I want to warn you of this because this is a false doctrine concerning the person of Christ. Let me, let me explain what it is and then I want to share with you why I believe that it is inaccurate and it is a false view of Jesus that is being taught in our world today. Here's here's what the kenosis theory is. Paul wrote to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which is known as the kenosis passage. Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he, here's the key phrase, emptied himself uh, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, the Greek word for the phrase emptied himself is the word kenosis, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. But what does it mean for Jesus to have emptied himself? Emptied himself of what? Well, beginning with the, Because of this passage, several theologians in Germany from 1860 to 1880 and in England from 1890 to 1910, they taught a view of what it means to, that Jesus emptied himself, a view of the incarnation that had never been taught in the first 1,800 years of church history. It had never been taught before which that kind of gives you a clue right there that it may be an inaccurate view of Jesus. But they taught, taught, taught what was known as kenotic theory or the kenosis theory. And that is, it holds that Jesus gave up, emptied himself of divine attributes when he came to earth as a man. That, he, that the emptying of himself was emptying his divine character. So that all that we saw and all that he was for 33 years here was just a man only. He was not God in the flesh. Now, folks, that is a false teaching. It's a false doctrine. I'm going to share with you why I believe that it is. But I want to share with you some belief systems around us and some people around us who teach this because I want you to be aware of them. Bethel Church. Um, Bethel Church, Bill Johnson teaches the kenosis theory that whenever Jesus was on earth, that he gave up his divine attributes. He emptied himself of the divine, and he was only human. Now, Bethel music is very good. I've not seen any, uh, any uh, theological errors in the Bethel music that we sing. However, the Bethel church and the Bethel theology, I have seen some f- what I believe to be false teachings that are unbiblical teachings by Bill Johnson and, and some there at Bethel. But I, I, I do believe that the kenosis theory is one of the ones that he teaches that is inaccurate. Other, other teachers, Kenneth Copeland, uh, some television evangelists, some of the charismatic uh, belief system believes in the kenosis theory that Jesus gave up the divine and he, he was not God while he was here on this earth. Kenneth Copeland, other, um, others teach that. Uh, Peter Wagner, teaches it. John Wimber of the vineyard movement, if vineyard music, uh, and, and again, I've not seen any of the theological error in the vineyard music. Uh, vineyard teaching and the vineyard church, I've seen what I believe to be unbiblical teaching. John Wimber, Patricia King, uh, Heidi Baker, and Iris Global Ministries, these all teach the kenosis theory today, and that is that Jesus gave up divine attributes while he was here on earth. Now, why is this inaccurate? Does Philippians 2.7 teach us that Jesus emptied himself of divine attributes and does the rest of the New Testament confirm that? I believe there's evidence of scripture that points that, that both of the answers to these questions are no that Philippians 2.7 does not teach that Jesus gave up divine attributes uh, such as the kenotic theory teaches and the rest of the New Testament does not confirm that. It does not confirm uh, the kenosis theory. Why? First of all, I'll give you five reasons. Number one, first of all, uh, we realize that no recognized teacher in the first 1,800 years of church history including those who, who spoke Greek as their native language, thought that emptying himself in that phrase in Philippians 2.7 meant that Jesus gave up divine attributes. Only in 1880 did people start believing that. So those who were there, those who knew Greek and spoke Greek as their native language, none of them ever thought that kenosis meant giving up the divine. Secondly, we recognize that the Son of God gave up some of His divine attributes. We, we know uh, well, that He did not give up some of His divine attributes. Philippians 2, 7 does not teach that. We have to recognize that the text does not say Christ, quote, emptied Himself of some powers. It doesn't say that. Nor does it say He emptied Himself of divine attributes. In fact, it never tells us emptied himself of what? Now, the context, I believe, tells us. But the text itself in the Bible never tells us Jesus emptied himself of powers or divine attributes. It just says emptied himself. Thirdly, the text does describe what Jesus did in the emptying of himself. He did it, quote, by taking the form of a servant, end quote. That's what the passage tells us. In other words, by coming to live as a man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's Philippians 2.8, that's the next passage. So, the context itself kind of interprets for us what this emptying is. It's humbling himself. It is humbling himself taking on a lowly status and position. And the NIV translates the phrase, rather than empty himself, it says made himself nothing. So the emptying includes a change of role and status, but not a change in essential attributes or nature. I think it's vitally important. Here's a fourth reason. And this fourth reason is seen in Paul's response in this context. Paul his purpose was has been to persuade the Philippians that they could do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than others than themselves rather. That was Philippians 2:3. So he continues by telling them in Philippians 2:4 Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So, to persuade them to be humble and put the interest of others first, Paul holds up the example of Jesus. Have this mind in you, he said in Philippians 2, 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. So it's in the direct context of humbling yourself. In in other words, a change of role or status, but not a change of his essential attributes. Now, in holding it up as Christ is the example, he wanted the Philippians to imitate Christ. But certainly, he's not asking the Philippian Christians to give up or lay aside any of their essential attributes or abilities. He's not going to do that. He's not asking them to give up their intelligence or give up their strength or give up their skills and become a diminished version of who they were. Rather, Paul was asking them to put their interest of others first. And because that's Paul's goal, it fits the context to understanding that he's using Christ as the supreme example of one who did exactly that. He gave up the privilege and the status that was his as God. He did not give up attributes of God. And number five, here's the fifth, final reason. Final reason why the kenosis view in Philippians 2.7, I think must be rejected is because of the larger context of the teaching of the New Testament and the doctrinal teaching of the entire Bible. Folks, whenever you encounter a passage, you must interpret it by saying, by asking the question, does the rest of the Bible teach this same thing? Interpret Scripture with the rest of Scripture. Now, if it were true, that such a momentous event as this happened and that the eternal Son of God ceased for a time to have all the attributes of God, then that would, have, that would be the expectation that would be such an incredible event, it would clearly be taught in the rest of the New Testament and it would be repeatedly taught in the rest of the New Testament. But it's not found in the rest of the scriptures. In fact, we find the opposite of that. We do not find it stated anywhere else that the Son of God ceased to have the attributes of God that He had possessed from all eternity. In fact, if the kenosis theory were true, it's not, but if it were, then we could no longer affirm Jesus was fully God while He was here on earth at all. The kenosis theory ultimately denies the full deity of Jesus and makes him something less than God. So I believe it's important to reject the kenosis theory that's being taught by Bill Johnson at Bethel Church, Kenneth Copeland, some TV evangelists, Peter Wagner, John Wimber at the Vineyard Church, Patricia King, Heidi Baker of Iris Global, all teaching the kenosis theory that Jesus gave up divine attributes while he was here, and that's what Philippians 2, 7 means. No, it means Jesus humbled himself as God, and so should we humble ourselves so that we consider others better than ourselves. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed our podcast this time, talking about the person of Christ. Join us again for next week's podcast where we wrap up the last one in looking at the deity of Jesus and how we know Jesus was God in the flesh when he was right here among us. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week and we will see you next week.